Welcome to Market Space, a podcast for everyone who's sick of gimmicky, inauthentic marketing advice. Join me, Cheryl Rice, and my co-host, Rebecca Mead, for a no-holds-barred, unscripted, opinionated conversation on marketing for small businesses. In this episode, we're talking about websites. The whole world shifted to online marketing in 2020, so you probably found yourself taking a serious look at your website. Whether you're relatively new to web marketing, or if you've had a website for a while but it just isn't performing the way you'd like it to, we have a lot of ideas that could help. If you like what you hear, you can hear more when you subscribe to MarketSpace on iTunes, Google Podcasts, or Spotify, and have each new episode delivered directly to your favorite device. And here we go. MarketSpace, episode number five, making the most of your business website. Hello, and welcome to Market Space. My name is Rebecca Mead, and I am here today with my co-host, Cheryl Rice, and we're going to be talking about websites. That's right. Um, we've talked in our podcast several times about all the changes that have been happening with regard to the pandemic and how small businesses are having to really rethink what they do, given the fact that uh, a lot of their customers just aren't able to get to them physically or you know they're they're not able to reach the people that they're used to reaching, so they've had to figure out how to get online. Um, and the fact is, this is something that's really new to a lot of folks. I mean, maybe they had a website, but they didn't really interact with it that much. It wasn't like key to their to their marketing strategy. But the fact is, a lot of companies have had to uh, turn to focus on on websites now. So what we want to do is give a little bit of insight, a little bit of advice to folks who, whether they're very new at websites or maybe they have one and it's just not really doing what they want them to do. Um, we're going to talk about things they can do to to really magnify their online presence. Great. And, and I think it's that's going to be super helpful for a lot of folks. Like you said, so many people either are unsure of how to proceed or they do have a site, but they're not getting what they need out of it. They're not getting the leads that they need or they're not, if it's an e-commerce site, they're not getting uh, the purchases and the sales that they need out of it. Um, and I think our focus today is really going to be more on not so much e-commerce sites or the technical aspects of building a site, but bigger, the considerations you need as you consider either starting from scratch or rebuilding. That's right. And I mean, I guess the biggest piece of advice we could give, if your budget allows for it, uh, a professional, you know, somebody to help you work through all this is, is a great use of your budget. Um, if you can uh, find someone to help you figure out what platform to use or, you know, how to, how to find your target audience, that's great. So, you know, that's, that's a place to start if you can afford it. But the fact is, I know, um, given all the challenges that everybody is, are working with right now, um, sometimes that's just not not feasible. So, you know, we're going to talk about uh, a few things that you can do on your own. If you if you have to do it yourself, there are things you can do. Sure, sure, absolutely. And so, you know, if you are DIYing it, um, as we say, a couple of considerations right off the top would be what platform you want to build on. So, um, there are things called proprietary platforms and there, there are uh, open source platforms out of, this is my opinion as a web professional, but if you were to work with Squarespace or Shopify, 
depending on if you're an e-commerce or a non-e-commerce site, um, those are the two best proprietary platforms out there. They're the most solidly built, the best at customer service, um, and they are the uh, best, I, I consider the best for your ability to actually customize them, even though they do provide you with themes and, and um, pre-built, uh, but they are able to be customized. If you're looking for open source, I think WordPress is the best source for that. Um, and I know there'll be a few folks who uh, maybe do some eye rolls and disagree with me here, but I believe, and um, my team and I believe that, you know, WordPress has the most options for off-the-shelf themes, uh, plugins for advanced functionality, and you can really grow as, uh, or the site can grow as your business grows. Uh, the second part that's really important to consider is hosting. So if you are going to be uh, going with an open source platform like WordPress, um, do invest in decent hosting. Don't go the cheap shared route, really. Um, the less you pay, the less you'll get. And your site is so dependent on its performance. So if you have a, a, um, a you know, you are on a very large shared uh, platform um, and host, you can often have problems with security. You can have problems with site performance and speed. Um, and so don't, don't, kneecap yourself at that stage. Really spend a little bit of money on your hosting. It's well, well worth it. Yeah, that's that's great advice. And um, something that I've noticed as much more of a novice than, than you are, Rebecca, I mean, this is definitely your wheelhouse. So I, I come at it from, um, you know, more of the, the outside perspective. I've noticed that a lot of these, you know, like your Squarespace and even WordPress to some extent, they've, they've gotten a lot better about kind of talking you through it, sort of guiding you through the steps than, than they used to be. So if you are stuck in a place where you've got to do it yourself, um, I think you'll find that, that these, these platforms provide a lot more assistance than they used to. They sure do. And so do a lot of the developers for the themes that you can get on all the platforms. You know, they'll often have very good installation tutorials as well as how to customize your site to look like you and feel like you. Yeah, that's great. So before you get into um, actually building a site, there's a lot of things that you need to do in, in preparation. And as we've talked about in uh, marketing strategy of every kind, really the most important thing you have to do is try to get out of your own head and figure out who it is that you're trying to talk to mm -hmm. and, and build the site with those people in mind. Yeah, exactly. You know, really figure out um, who your ideal customer is, who you're speaking to, change your overall point of view. Because again, this is not about you. This is about the people that you want to engage with you. Um, so think about the customer um, as a person. Use the word you a lot. Help them connect with you emotionally. Um, you know, understand that there are in, in marketing jargon speak, there are customer personas or customer avatars, but these are really the people who are your ideal customers. And again, you're going to be needing to create the content for them, the overall user experience for them. That's right. And, um, and figuring out uh, what these people want, what they need, um, sometimes in marketing, we refer to it as their pain points. You know, what, what is driving them to your website? Each and every person that comes to your website has come there for a reason. So try to get um, in the head of the people that are doing that. And then you can design and structure your site to solve the problem of these people who, you know, who came there for that reason. Exactly. So I know, Cheryl, you talk about the four E's of content. That's right. I would call those four E's educational, emotional, entertaining, and engaging. 
content. Those are the ways to get people to relate to you and to stay on your page. With a website itself, I think you're thinking more along the lines of educational and probably engaging. Um, the, you want people to uh, learn what they came to your website to learn and to learn it in a really straightforward and simple manner. Mm -hmm. If you're developing more content like maybe videos or um, you know, blog posts, anything like that, then you might be able to stretch your entertaining muscles a little bit and to um, engage with people in that way. So, um, yeah, those are the, the four E's that I would say you have to keep in mind as you develop this content. You know, another consideration to make when you're planning your content of the site, you know, as Cheryl spoke about when you're putting together what you're actually going to say on your site, um, is also to consider the user flow and how you're um, going to direct the path uh, by which your visitor navigate through your website. So um, this path is really just a series of steps or clicks that the visitor takes from the moment they land on your website, whether it's your homepage or a landing page, and then uh, finishes with that specific action that you want them to take, which we refer to as conversion actions, things like signing up for, um, you know, email subscription or, or an event, um, making a purchase or filling out a contact form and submitting that those are conversion actions. Um, and so we have, you consider when you're planning your content, how easy will it be for your visitor to, um, complete that intended action and, and how many clicks does it take for them to get to point from point A to point B, that, that, um, that action that you want them to take. And if there's more than three, try to reduce it. Um, we don't, uh, you know, we're impatient humans. <laughs> we want to get to where we want to find the information we're looking for and take that action and, and move on with our day. So make sure it's less than three. In, yeah. in the same way um, with that is your navigation. They kind of go hand in hand, you know, so making sure that your navigation is very simple, you know, that menu bar that's at the top of your page with the, the, the different choices, um, make that very simple, very easy to use and keep it visible, make it what we call sticky to the top of that page. So as you scroll and the user scrolls, um, they always know where they are and they always know where they can go. You don't want to confuse people, right, Cheryl? <laughs> that's right. Um, you know, and some other factors to consider, you know, um, when you're thinking about your, um, visitors, user experience on your website is, you know, a search bar. It seems very simple and some people have gotten away from using it, but I got to tell you, we are very, like I said, impatient nowadays. And so visitors often come to your website looking for a specific item. You know, they may have visited in the past. They got a little bit of information. They, they're coming back and they want to see exactly what they're looking for. So since it is, you know, what, since they do know what they want, um, they probably won't use the navigation options and go through that click um, process. Um, and so make sure that your, your search bar um, and search options are on every page. Um, and then some other things about, you know, accessibility, you know, making sure that your website is accessible to everybody, regardless of a person's ability. So um, consider the people that may visit your site who have poor or no, um, no eyesight, you know, they could be colorblind. So look it up, make sure that your site is compatible and easy to be read by um, all humans. And then of course, by anybody who may use something called assistive technology so that you're not reducing the, uh, any part of your audience's ability to use your website. Uh, and then, you know, lastly was, is, you know, we are a mobile society. So more than 50% of us access the web on mobile devices 
as a whole. So, you know, both that includes tablets and phones. So it's important that your website be responsive um, so that your user's experience, whether it be on a desktop or on a tablet or on their mobile phone, be the same uh, regardless of how they access your site. So uh, think about, you know, the fact that on desktops, we click with a mouse um, and on tablets and, and mobile devices, we use our fingers. So testing is important. Um, and there are online simulators that you can actually use to see what your site looks like and how it behaves on various devices. And we'll put those links in our show notes, Cheryl, so that people can um, test out their sites and make sure that they're working for everybody. Yeah, that's that's really important. That's a, a word that you're going to see a lot talking about uh, websites, the word responsiveness. And I know a lot of people just weren't really aware of exactly what that means. It's talking about whether your website works on a mobile device versus uh, works on a desktop. So that, that's really important. And we used to build actually mobile versions of websites. So you'd sometimes notice when you pull it up on your phone, you'd see an M dot in front of the domain name for the site. Nowadays, we just expect that site to respond to whatever device and screen size it's being viewed on. Um, And so if your site isn't mobile responsive, you're going to get dinged by Google big time, but you're also going to get passed by by people who don't want to have to play with your site to make it visible on a mobile phone. Oh yeah, when you have to like pinch and zoom and all that to to I mean, get to see that, right? <laughs> yeah, um, you know it's great what you were talking about. Um, you don't want people to have more than three clicks to kind of get to what they're what they're needing, what they're wanting. I think that also goes to the idea of a of a blanket call to action. You know, like what what is the one thing that you want people to do? What do you consider a conversion? As you said, you know, do you want people to sign up to get your emails? Do you want them to buy something? Do you want to direct them to that? And I think it's important to remember that some people who come to your website come there knowing what they want to do. So having that call to action up front is important as well. So, you know, you have the option of if they come to your site knowing they want to engage with you, they want to hire you as a consultant, they want to buy the thing you're selling. um, There's an option right on the the homepage to do that. Or if they need to drill down and get more information, maybe on that second page, it gives them a little bit more data. And then, hey, you want to sign up for our emails or you want a discount or, or whatever, but keeping that call to action available throughout the websites, I think important. Yeah, and and keeping it consistent. So each page should only have one main call to action. You really shouldn't ask people to to work for your attention, their attention to you. So um, again, keep that to one, you know, make it whether it's sign up for this, um, download this or purchase this. Um, Just make sure that it's very overt, very clear that you what you want people to do. Yeah, I think focus is just it's so important when um, I don't know, when websites first came out, I think the, the idea was let's just throw our whole brochure on the, on the internet and you know the, the hit people with all this data, all this information. And I think we're getting a lot smarter now about uh, you know let's let's not confuse people. let's give them what they what they're looking for. And what we were talking about earlier about that that customer persona or customer avatar, really mm-hmm. think about um, you know, who that person is when you're, when you're creating this copy, you're talking to them. Think about this person who has walked into your store and, you know, use whatever tool works, works best for you to, to really get that image in your mind. Cause I think that's one of the biggest mistakes that marketers can make is uh, they, they don't get out of their own head. You know, it's like, well, this is important to me. So put it on the website. 
well, is that the, you know, is this deep down dirty detail about your product really the most important thing? Or do you just want, does, does somebody who wants to buy it just want to know how it works and what it costs? <laughs> right. Too much information on a website can just really overwhelm people. And what do people do when they're overwhelmed? They click that damn back button, right? <laughs> and that's not good for your site. Um, and so really keeping, um, your information as simply written as possible, you know, don't use, um, don't use industry jargon, keep plain and simple language. Uh, that's best not only for your visitors, but it's great for your search engines to um, minimize the long sentences. So keep it to 20 words or fewer, but also think about chunking the information. We like our um, to get and receive information in kind of like boxes of, of, um, I guess it, I just think of it as boxes, like chapters in a book, right? We don't want a lot of information and we want it organized in a way that makes sense to how our minds think about answering the questions that we're coming uh, to the site with. So um, chunk that information, break your content into smaller digestible chunks that really help your users understand it and process it better. You know, for a real technical website, if you're selling something that is highly technical and requires a lot of details, put those... Um, put those documents either as PDFs for people to download, you know, so they can look at it offline or put it into a, an area that is um, for people who are really going to dig deeper. But for the high level to capture that purchase and capture that person's interest to take that next step, chunk down your information to smaller bits and pieces. Exactly. That drilling down part is really crucial to, to keeping your, your homepage um, clean and, and easy to understand. You can even um, have different channels, different routes to send your customers on. If you've got different types of people who come to you, um, or if you sell wholesale and retail or whatever, you can direct those people really quickly to the channel that they want. Absolutely. And I think, you know, you have the opportunity within the first three seconds that somebody's on the website, they're going to make the decision, am I in the right space or not? So that initial headline and that subheadline that you have the very top of your homepage or a landing page, if you're sending people to a, a landing page, is really important to grab their attention. And then they can dig deeper. Once they say, yes, I'm in the right place, then we'll, you know, be more open to exploring. Um, but again, yeah, do not confuse your customers with a lot of extra stuff whether it be visuals, white space is our friend <laughs> from a, yeah. from a, um, organization standpoint, our eyes like white space because it allows us to say, this is what I need to focus on when they actually do see some content. Again, um, keep it, keep it simple, really yeah. simple. And it may seem like you're dumbing down your message, but clear and, um, plain English language is really, really important. Yeah. And getting the right images, I think, is important, too. And uh, in addition to the words, certainly we communicate online um, with images as much as words. And those those are important, too. And sometimes they're an afterthought, unfortunately. Mm, yeah. And, and it shows <laughs> when, <laughs> when you see sites where they are an afterthought. You know, human beings are visual creatures and we um, images are a really powerful way to capture and convey messaging. Um, and so a single image can convey far more to the viewer than an elaborately designed block of text. You know, pictures worth a thousand words. But they also need to really represent the people that are coming to your site so the customers can see themselves within that image. Um, you know, 
they need to represent, like I said, your, your audience demographics, um, using human faces are so effective because it's an immediate connection point that we make, um, that, you know, it makes us think as visitors to your site, that there are real humans behind this product or this organization. Um, but please don't rely on generic stock photos. You know, we have, we're snarky people. We immediately see that, that, um, you know, these people are not who we would see in our everyday life and, you know, that they're staged or set or, um, and so when your visitors see the inauthentic photos, they really start to doubt the authenticity of your organization. Um, and so, you know, choose high quality, uh, license-free images from reputable sources. Um, and please, for the love of God, don't use photos of people shaking hands. I think we've seen enough of that over the years. Rebecca, that's business. Oh. Well, <laughs> easy in my opinion, there are, there are lots of great ways to really show. I mean, if you can't afford to take actual photos of your business or your employees or your audience, um, and customers and all that, um, do definitely look into some really reputable, um, online sources. And we'll put those in the show notes or some ones that we do recommend that have some good photos that show the right collection, um, of people and places for you to use on your site. Yeah, that's that's yet another thing that has come a long way in terms of affordability. You know, oh, there sure. are there, there are good uh, good stock photos that that are not cliche <laughs> that are available without without spending a ton of money. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and and along the line of of photos, you know, videos as we've talked about uh, before. You know, they're they certainly an, an option for for websites. Now we talked about the fact that um, you don't need. Uh, big video production crews you know, and then spending a ton of money videos that you shoot and edit yourself are very authentic and people, they really resonate with people. So don't let video scare you off either. Sure. Sure. You know, and I think videos, like you said, are really popular. They help you make that instant connection, but they also extend the time that people spend on your website because they're watching, you know, 90 seconds to three minute videos. That's all great for search engines to help deliver your, you know, uh, give you, good rankings, um, on search engine results. Um, but a couple of things that are kind of, um, little nitpicking that I got to do is please turn that autoplay off. Don't have it autoplay or have any audio autoplay. Um, we don't want the visitors, you know, as visitors, we don't want the video or the audio to play as soon as we hit a page. Um, and what happens is we often will fumble to try to find the off button and we can't. So what do we do? We leave your page. So right there, you have a nice big bounce rate. Um, you know, keep it in a range of two to three minutes. You know, that's really the maximum amount of time. If you have a highly technical or tutorial, that can be used in a different way. But, you know, for promotional types of videos, two to three minutes is really maximum. The shorter the video, the more appealing it is to the to the larger swath of your visitors. Um, and of course, you know, going back to accessibility, when you are doing a video, uh, do include captions. There are services that will help you caption your videos. Uh, YouTube is one of them. Um, and, you know, do include a full transcript of the video for, you know, for people to, to take with them. Very good. Well, I tell you, when we first started talking about tackling this for a podcast, um, we had said, oh my gosh, this is a lot. So we kind of broke it up a little bit on, we're going to be covering some more stuff uh, next time, but uh, we've had a lot of points today. So. We have, we have. And I mean, you know, I think the the biggest point is really think, put yourself in your visitor's shoes. 
um, the more successful you are in communicating to their needs and to their pain points and how you solve whatever you do, how it solves that pain point or solves that need, um, will make you the winner in the long run. You'll, you'll resonate better with your target audience. They'll stay on your site. They'll go to multiple pages. They'll, um, they'll download and they'll, they'll ultimately take that call to action that you've asked them to. And that's really what the point of a website is nowadays is to, to drive that business. Um, because you can't do these all in person anymore. Um, so if you're a therapist and you're working to, uh, you know, bring on new patients to your practice, help them understand what it will be like for them to actually sit on Zoom, not in the chair across from you, but now on Zoom, how to how that'll feel and how to make them feel and still make them feel like they can trust you and be intimate with you in, um, to be successful as a, uh, you know, um, as a patient in your therapy. If you are, um, a, you know, <clears throat> a consultant um, and you are so used to doing in-person work, you're going to have to shift that to online, but you can certainly take that messaging of your sales process and your marketing process and put that into a website. So people will connect with you and take that step of contacting you for additional information. And then of course, e-commerce. I mean, everything is bought online now. And even if you do have a brick and mortar store that is still successful, um, you know, but you still need to balance it with an online presence and, uh, Folks like Shopify is a great one for that because they offer both the in-person and the online experience, um, and they're a terrific solution. So again, Cheryl, it is a, it's a big topic. I mean, you know, we could break each one of these into, you know, into um, a podcast on its own. Um, but again, you know, once you've determined that user flow and your site navigation, how people are going to get from A to B, you've developed that content, um, nice, concise content, um, and the calls to action for that page or for the overall site, then you're ready to build that site um, and really take what you've collected and put it online. Uh, but of course, not before you've done all those foundational um, pieces. And I truly believe that your website should be a living, breathing part of your business. Um, so you're going to be looking at your analytics and uh, getting user feedback to constantly improve the experience um, on your site. It just has to be, you know, and it's important to make sure that, you know, as you're the hub of your marketing efforts, that your site is up to, up to par. Yeah. The analytics part can be a little bit overwhelming. I know for some folks it, it, it seems highly technical, but the truth is there are a lot of tools available for that too, just like the ones we've talked about today. So next time we're going to dive into that a little bit, talk about SEO and, and analytics and how you can really figure out if is your site attracting the people you want it to attract? Is it converting? And how maybe you can uh, use that to improve uh, both your business and the user experience. Absolutely. So put on your, uh, take your notes next time. We'll have some real technical <laughs> stuff coming up for you. But thank you, Cheryl. This has been a good conversation. And I think you and I are both on the same page when it comes to um, really helping our clients work with the web and how to make it beneficial for their businesses. Absolutely. Take care, all. See you next episode. Hey, thanks for listening. Don't forget to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts so the next episode of Market Space will be delivered right to you. And visit our website for additional resources, show notes, and links. That's marketspacepodcast.com. If you have feedback on this episode or any other, or topics you'd like us to tackle in an upcoming episode, please share them. We look forward to hearing from you.
Market Space is a production of Inc. Creative.